Hello, it's me, Russ, again, episode 33 of season 5, changing up some of the music. Well, I heard it all before. show today. I felt like Rusty Cage, Soundgarden, even the Johnny Cash cover. I love that. But since Cornell's death, it feels different to me now, you know, and I'm not sure where he was when he wrote that or the band put that song together. But it's just it has a different and to honor his memory, his life. Um, I don't think I can share that anymore, right? Like, I don't know if I want to kick the show off with that. And maybe it's recognizing some of that realization of the inner man versus the outer man, right? The outer part of us that wants to break the rusty cage and run. Like, that's a good motivation. That's a good thing to believe. Uh, But the way of working that out on the inside and how that carries out over time is is something that I feel is important too. So it's not, you know, as a negative thing to th- that I think the song is desecrated or something like that because he committed suicide. That's not that's not what I feel. I just feel uh, it's it's weighty for me now and maybe that's just where I'm at with uh, the rusty cage anyway. But I played that song uh, when I come around by Green Day because it's, you know, there's that feeling, right? Those feelings in that song, that feeling like a loser and a user. Um, but you know where I'll be found when I come around. People who are, you know, going to do what they like. Uh, some really great things, some great little gems in the lyrics of that song that I wanted to touch on today with my challenge. So this week, I wanted to encourage you guys, man. I want to be sort of the uh, audio coach over here. Like, this is not digital therapy. I'm not a a therapist or anything like that, or a pastor, a priest, or a prophet, or a pogo stick. (sighs) That's the only thing that came up in my mind, trying to think of things that rhymed with P. That's all I got. It's not a profession, a pogo stick. It would be a bad profession if it was. Uh, Anyway, I know your mind could go to really dirty places with that. (laughs) But, uh, hey, you are where you're at, man. Uh, I I love you. I love you right there, right where you're at. So, But, yeah, I really do consider myself a professional non-professional as a veteran in the podcasting world uh, doing this topic for going on 12 years soon. I know. I know, right? This November would be 12 years uh, podcasting on the topic of sexual dysfunction, right? 
intimacy disorders. I heard uh, reading a blog or something. So it's a funny thing about this world sexual addiction. You know, it's not recognized to be the DSM. There's people that wrote books. It's not an addiction, you know, and and I know I talked about that maybe too much. You've heard that before. But my point is I heard somebody say, uh, use the word intimacy disorder when describing sexually compulsive behavior. I thought that was interesting. And I wanted to challenge you with some of that this week because I think some of the roots of intimacy disorder, especially a lot of Christians listen to this show. All right. I'm a I'm a Christian guy. I You know, I, I struggle with that word because it's been drugged through the mud by so many just religious assholes in our culture. I'll use that. Maybe that's mean, <laughs> but there are some just oh people that do some very horrible, shaming, evil things in God's name, even Jesus's name. And so I, I recognize that. I, I get that. Um, the crowd that I'm identifying with is uh, broken, uh, messed up in a bad way, deplorable on some levels. I recognize that. There are people with intimacy issues, right? There are people with insecurity problems. You and me, you know, if we're honest. So going back to this word used by psychological professionals today, intimacy disorder. My challenge to you is looking at the way you view the other is much like the way that you look at viewing yourself subconsciously, right? Another word that uh, psychological professionals like to use is the word projecting. A lot of, t- and this is a consciousness thing. Like we go into consciousness here. Um, a lot of times we're subconscious or unconscious. The way that we are um, interacting with the other, with other people in our lives, right? And we tend to project our the things that we don't like about ourselves onto other people or onto the world. And this causes all sorts of dysfunction and heart disease on the inside, to use those words, right, metaphorically, that causes some of this intimacy disorder that works itself out in sexually compulsive behavior. Because it's almost like, you know, this feeling of pleasure, this this good feeling that we're trying to connect with, this release that we're trying to get out of our body and and have it out into the world, usually in a napkin, right? Or you get what I'm saying. What, What we're doing there, what if it's a physical way of removing some of that bad energy from our body? We are working out some kind of flow of this connective tissue that's in our bodies, in our spirits, and is working to connect, to plug in to this love energy that connects us all, that brings us all together, right? Um, I had a, a guest on the show a number of years ago, Dr. Block, who said that intimacy is simply all that stuff that's running around in your head, that stuff that's going on in your brain. What if what it, what intimacy is is it's just telling that to another person or voicing it, getting it out of your head. And many times we find a hate group, 
right? (laughs) Using the hate group analogy. I know that sounds horrible, but there's something to the feeling of connection when it comes to confirmation bias. In other words, confirmation bias is this. I tend to seek out people that agree with me and stay away from people that don't, right? And that makes me feel better for a little while. But again, it's, it's a shallow way of connecting. It doesn't feed our spirit. It doesn't let our spirit flow. It's not that that trinity kind of circular, you know, connected, ongoing, self-giving, loving feeling in the world, right? Because it's, 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 it's finding enemies. It's seeking out enemies. Because if we're honest, whether it's the red states or the blue states, there's this kind of tape that's playing in our subconscious somewhere. Uh, Might just have a soundtrack that sounds something like this. You're mumbling words, but I can't hear anymore. You're totally entertained, but I'm absolutely bored. To the sharks with your conversation, see what they say. They're thrown overboard and disappearing through the waves. Kingdom in the ink black drink Octopus bartenders You can hear the mermaids sing That'll teach you all to try and disobey Here's a one-way ticket to your watery grave And we say to all our enemies We'll see you in hell We're gonna walk them off the plank Into the wishing well Down to David Jones locker Where the fishes sleep Won't be praying for you So don't be praying for me oh, To all our enemies We'll see you in hell We're gonna walk them off the plank Into the wishing well Down to David Jones locker Where the fishes sleep Won't be praying for you you, so don't be praying, don't be praying for me. That band is from Austin, Texas, and they're called The Devil Makes Three. <laughs> Appropriate name. Uh, I like that folk rock kind of stuff. Uh, Shaky Graves is another guy from Austin, Texas I enjoy. As you can tell, I'm not Mr. Uh, Christian Music. I enjoy some Christian music, but most of it, I yeah, I just don't. I just can't. Ah. Um. Not because I hate it or hate the people that make it. It just, there's this, there's a different level of understanding in just music. Like there's something in the heart that needs to be worked out and someone writes a song, right? Whether it's good, bad, um, dark, light, uh, there's something to that movement in the heart that I think is very healthy. And that song, it brings up, uh, he brings up Davy Jones, right? Davy Jones Locker. Um, this has been, I did some study on who's Davy Jones, right? I'm doing this book uh, uh, that I eventually will release. Um, but <laughs> Davy Jones, back to Davy Jones. This this level of, of hell being a, a subconscious kind of place. Um, and, and Davy Jones is another metaphor for the devil, the octopus bartender, right? It reminds me of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where the people who are on Davy Jones' ship are, right? They've, uh, depending on how much time they've been there, they just kind of start to meld into the walls. Like this one guy they're talking to, you know, he's barnacles all over him, right? And he's just he's just there on the wall. Do you even see him because he's so much a part of that layer, that level of consciousness, and it works itself out in our behavior as well. And the question has been raised that. 
am I a evolutionary creationist, right? Am I one of these cats who believes that we all evolved from fishes or whatever and then became people and that's what the Genesis is more of a metaphor that's describing that? And no, I'm not going to let you put me in that box, all right? <laughs> Label me. I think this, we, we try and do that. That's another part of that confirmation bias. Well, if I can put you in this box, then I know what you are and I can judge you accordingly. Um Do I believe that? I, you know, I don't know. I wasn't here when the world was created. I do know that the book of Genesis is based in metaphor, that the language itself, that ancient Hebrew language is metaphorical at its roots, just as a language. So there's something to that. I also believe in science. There's things that we can prove scientifically. So I'm not going to shy away from science because I'm afraid of you slapping me with that label. I don't really care what label you slap me with, honestly. Uh, I'm just me, and I'm comfortable in the not knowing how this thing all unfolded. I do believe in a creator God who is ongoing, self-giving love. Uh, But as far as creation, evolution, there's got to be, there's got to be the story, man. You, you know, you better submit to some, you know, you better put your chips on the roulette wheel of theology and pick because if you don't we're gonna throw you in some camp or put some label on you and i just again that's a great example of intimacy disorder right i can only know the person or people or persons that i agree with no that's why i played that song you know that that way of thinking that's I'm not going to pray for you. I want to see you in hell. I want to see you in Davy Jones locker. I want to see you stay at that animalistic level of consciousness. I think that's the, the, the atheist Pharisee would say, but again, springboarding off of my, uh, Davy Jones metaphor there, uh, is evolutionary biology, which, you know, Freud would say the id, you know, that monkey brain, lizard brain, however you want to put it, part of us is, you know, it just wants to sleep, eat, and fuck, right? There's something to breaking out of that. It's, it's a consciousness thing, isn't it? And so in, in this show, I want to challenge you with some of the savage ways of thinking because it also wants to fight, you know, right? It just wants to fight. It wants to pick fights. It wants to demonize or otherize the people in your lives, your neighbors, your spouse, maybe your kids, your community. And I wanted to play a a little clip from a YouTube video. Uh, I was looking at religious ones because there's a lot of examples that you could use from stuff that pastors have said, um, things that religious professionals have said at conferences. Like There's a ton of examples I could use. But instead of going the religious route, I'm going to go back to some of my roots um, coming out of drug addiction and alcoholism and going through recovery groups and rehab. I... I think I just sprang from one camp to another, but in that earlier camp, I was very, I was a metal fan, you know, I had 
long hair, right? I looked like something out of Motley Crue or something. Actually, more metallic. I didn't wear makeup. I did wear makeup once. I, I wore uh, eyeshadow. I went to a, a a party at a club, and there was a band there, and I wore eyeshadow, and it, it felt weird. But anyway... Uh, there but that was my that's my past it's a very punk rock route starting this new project punk theology had me thinking about this guy uh henry rollins who was uh he's one of the granddaddies of punk rock here in the states it started a band in washington dc that made it big in la called black flag but here's him talking about some of this cynicism in the world and how it had worked itself out in his own level of self-righteousness, right? Which I find really interesting. And my goal here is to to challenge you with an old punk rock guy. And this is a comedy thing that he did. He also does these um, speaking gigs. And the guys, he went from, you know, punk rocker to actor, writer, uh, comedian, uh, I have a lot of respect for this guy. Again, I don't agree with him on everything, but I track with him a lot as someone who's judged the world, not just from a religious perspective, because I did that too, but from that kind of punk, cynical, you'll you'll hear here in this clip, felt very much like some of this as well. Here's Henry Rollins. Uh, so, oh, by the way, right after this clip, you're going to hear from uh, Roland's band, which was a project that he did after Black Flag around the 90s, something like that. Um, after that, you're going to hear me uh, play some audio that I recorded in my car after coming in contact with some of the people that I used to hate. I'll be honest with you, as a teenager back in the 80s, hated um, I'm not in that place anymore. You want to talk about being free from all the, this is, this is getting to the roots of it, folks. All right. Honestly, I grew up in Washington, DC, uh, seeing a few things in the streets of my hometown, but a relatively soft handed, wide eyed boy. And so I left Washington, DC into the world of black flag, the band. And, uh, I got America 101 right in the teeth. And uh, the first American tour I did, I started off as one thing. By the tour, the time the tour came to an end, I was quite another thing. It's like, wow, I'm 20 years old and I saw a guy get stabbed. I have had cops plant drugs on me. I've been surveilled. I've been wiretapped. I've had religious groups protest my shows. I've had cops pull me out of the van and accuse me of doing all manner of satanic and illegal things. I have been terrified. I've been in fights. I've seen blood. I've seen desperation. And people I've met in Los Angeles are now dead. I started meeting people who would soon die of overdosing on heroin and crystal meth, suicide, and all kinds of misadventure. And so I started becoming some kind of jaded guy who like, I know death. And it was a weird thing to be like 20-something years old and like, not everyone's going to make it. And not even trying to be macho about it, just like that was my reality. And from that, I, did, I got a whole bunch of cynicism. It made me very cynical. And my cynicism, I thought, was an awareness. I thought my cynicism was me seeing through the bullshit. And by the early 90s, my cynicism was just at this unimaginably intense level. And I sought to enhance my cynicism. I, I sought to harvest and grow more cynicism. I thought I was never cynical enough. Sometimes 
times, Henry, people are nice. No, they're not. They're just gaming for strategic positioning. They're never nice. They're just trying to get what they can out of you. It's all bullshit. People suck. Now, that two-word sentence, people suck, period, is a very easy conclusion to come to, right? Like you women, you're at the workplace, and the guy's staring at your tits when he's talking to you. You want to take your, tear his fucking nuts off and say, here's your fucking lunch, pal, right? And so people suck. You get caught off in traffic. You know, something bad happens, and you can start painting with a broad brush. You can start judging uh, the many by the actions of the few. And I did that for a long time, self Preservation. People suck. We're all whores. That's why I wouldn't want to be a parent. Because I'd be a super dad until the one day I would just break down. I'd be like there at 3 p.m. every day for the kid. What are we going to do today, man? All right, let's play in the backyard. Dad, will you play with me? Of course I'll play with me. I'm your fucking dad, man. I'm going to rock your world. I'm going to make you like me. So when you turn 16, you won't stab me in the face when I'm asleep. <laughs> and then one day I have to sit the kid down at the table. Kid, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Sit down. i got to talk to you. Did I do something wrong, Dad? No, no, you're a great fucking kid. I just got to tell you about the ways of the world. Okay, look, your mom's a bitch and I'm an asshole, okay? And people are just a bunch of whores, and soon you'll be one of those assholes too. And if you don't kill me in my sleep, I'll be thinking about killing you in your sleep, okay? And soon I'll be duct taping you to a folding chair in the basement playing Led Zeppelin 4 to you all weekend so you get your shit straight. But until then, just know that your dad is fucked, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to inherit my fuckness. Now go outside and score some street drugs. Get the fuck out of here. Dad wants to download some fucking internet porn. And so, <laughs> parenting is, is out of the question for me. And so, when my cynicism was reaching these unimaginable levels, like, ugh, ugh, I started meeting some of the most amazing, humanitarian, strong, and selfless people I've ever met in my life. And then I started uh, coming to the conclusion that cynicism is nothing but intellectual uh, cowardice. It's basically you not taking the time to deal with what is. It's like, oh no, if they're all fucked, I don't have to really do any work assessing humanity. I'll just know that they're all fucked, and I'll just judge them from here and feel innately superior. And so over the years, I've become further and further stripped of my cynicism. And I realize that cynicism is weakness that I cannot afford. And so at first, I felt very vulnerable. Like, oh, no, I'm no longer cynical. Oh, no, I'm going to have to take the world to face value. No, how will I survive? Well, it's fucking hard to just to, to deal with everyone as an individual and think of other people as you think of yourself. And I'm not trying to get you to go kumbaya and go out and kick a hacky sack, smear yourself with patchouli oil or hug a fucking tree. But what I'm sick of is people looking at like a few people walking into a mosque like they're Islamo-fascists. They're going into an Islamo-fascist hangout. We need to kill them all. Because that kind of fucking ignorance and judgment just has to stop because we'll never get the P-Funk Ramones Devo block party happening worldwide if we're still thinking about shit. Like if that is still a roadblock this time next year, we got worry. And so more and more I travel farther and farther out into the world because I'm a curious boy. Uh, the more amazing people I meet, thus stripping me more and more of my cynicism. I don't know if I have any more left. And I, it's so weird to say that to you because I used to think that my, my cynicism was my shield. And so now I'm out there shieldless. Again, this uh, robs me of my cynicism. I would love to be cynical. It was so much fun being cynical, but I can't do it anymore. And I, and I don't want to turn into like some over-serious guy. I don't want to be some floating Buddha trying to hug people because that's not me either. But it's, it's a lot of work not being cynical. Sometimes it just fucking sucks because you have to listen to both sides of every argument. Ah!
at about 70 miles an hour. Coming back from Seattle Pride. That's right. The uh, Pride Parade Gay Rights happens every year in this city. They've been doing it since the 70s here. Um, Really interesting the people I got to meet today and last year. I worked uh, about seven hours today during the parade and the festival at the Seattle Center. Um, Meeting some of these people and hearing their stories uh, it'll fill your heart if you can let down some of that guard. Some of you may be thinking, Russ, you're a Christian, right? Why are you, you know, talking about pride? (laughs) Because part of it is I live in Seattle and uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not some of you in the south you may not realize this but there are actually uh, gay Christians alright I had one of them on the show a while back my friend Randall Uh, so there's that right but one of the things I wanted to challenge you with on this episode because I'm doing this hopefully through the summer um, this challenge of the summer of CC that's turning creativity right out of this compulsive energy that's in your body so that's what you're struggling with is is the compulsion right you keep going back to this thing that you don't want to do and it keeps pulling you back and one of the things that I want you to realize about that and I've talked about this a bunch of times but it, it but that it's energy in your body that it's energy in your spirit it's energy in your persona all right body, mind, spirit, whatever you want to call it, that that urge, right, that uh, to act out or whatever you want to call it, that to get the orgasm out of you, I don't know, what do you want to, whatever you want to say, there, that's, that's real energy, all right, and I want you to realize that, again, that compulsiveness can be turned into creativity, and what I wanted to talk about this week as part of the challenge is uh, Seattle Pride had this word, so they kind of do slogans every year, and they had this one word hashtag that was going around that caught my attention, and it's indivisible, all right? The hashtag indivisible. Um, last year, I learned about the flag, right? The flag of all the colors. You've seen the, the, the Pride flag, it's called. And it's interesting that that word is used. And you hear a lot of Christians, I'll criticize that. I'll use religious people, all right? Even though I I consider myself a Christ follower, I get it, people having an issue with the word Christian, you know? Um, But, so, the flag and calling it pride, you know what the opposite of, like, shame or, right, or shoving down your feelings and emotions is pride, you know, just being out there in the open, um, in the gay community, the word coming out is, is a big term, right, coming out of the closet, and to break that down for you, basically what that means, coming out, means that you are no longer living in the shadows, um, I heard one uh, woman who did a TED Talk, a uh, lesbian woman, part of the LGBT community, talking about the mental health aspects of actually coming out and not right hiding it anymore. 
she said that, this stuck with me, she said that coming out of the closet is basically just a very difficult conversation that needs to happen, all right? Um, and, and I love that. So the closet, what is the closet? The closet is the secret. The closet is the thing you're dealing with in the dark. The closet is the thing that you haven't been able to um, bring out into the open yet. And there are so many different voices and there are so many different people that will say things about the issue of homosexuality, um, you know, about sexuality, about sexual compulsive behavior. I think that gay, straight, bi, whatever it is, we can agree that, you know, very sexually compulsive behavior is not good for you long term, you know? So, basically what I want you to think about, and my challenge for you in this episode, is to be, live a life that is free of this kind of hoarding, hiding things in the dark. And, and I know what I'm calling you to, right? Like you're, oh, I have to just come out and talk about the stuff, like stuff I don't talk about or stuff I'm hiding or maybe you've had an affair or maybe you do have the same sex attraction thoughts and you're just, you're trying not to share that with the world or maybe it's because of religion or, or maybe you think God is mad at you or God will be disappointed or something like that. Um, I shared some other hashtags along with my uh, driving today. I, I I felt the need to spread this idea of a Mago Day, you know, and asking some people about religion struggles, you know, and just getting hearing some people's stories about that, and just realizing that I don't believe in the same God that that some of these folks grew up with this horrible God who isn't going to like them if they come out. You know, that's just not, that's just not true. And hiding this, I mean, the science on keeping these kinds of secrets down deep in your, your gut and your spirit and trying to pretend that things aren't what they are as far as your heart is concerned, man, it just causes mental health issues, um, shame, regret, uh, and, and I'm, I'm hopefully in this episode encouraging you to step out into the light some, to step out of that closet, and to maybe even put on a calendar or have some kind of date tied to your coming out. All right, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gay and you're coming out of the closet, right? That's usually what we attach to that. But no, coming out as to living in the truth without fear of consequences. You know, write down some of those fears. Again, I did a podcast a while back about this woman who talked about having hard conversations, right? Making a choice you know, isn't just, you guys gotta make a choice, you know, you made the right choice, or you made the wrong choice, or not making a choice is basically not taking apart a really difficult decision, 
And that's what that is. So when you can break it down and you could do, you could maybe go back and listen to that episode I did about the, uh, the woman at Rutgers University who was a philosophy professor who talked about breaking down what it means to make a difficult decision. Because coming out in your social community, it, it's going to be a it's going to be hard. Um, again, the podcast I do, Punk Theology, we talk about some of that. And just in that room, us guys being kind of out of the closet about how we feel about some of our own hang-ups, um, mental illness, some of our struggles with religion, with God, with um, other people, with culture. Pressures on on men, and we don't want to make this a sausage fest either. All right, so we're talking about having some women included at the table too in the future, uh, some of our wives possibly. But that group is is kind of meeting that challenge. Uh, the guys in the punk theology, the other podcast I do, talking about the, you know. I'm out of the closet with I'm, a, I'm an ex-sex addict, all right? That's difficult. That's, you know, having one of the most listened to podcasts in the English-speaking world on sex addiction isn't what you just tell your friends, you know, that you just met at a, a party, you know, right? So the layers of these kinds of difficult things to share in public that maybe it's it's inside you and you're, you're, you're fearful of that. Um, but I want you to know that love is real, that the Bible says that God is love, that there is a tension to living in this world and it's not always about pointing at the other, right? The reason why gay people are so so beat up on by religion is because it's easy to see on the surface and because religious people don't tend to talk about their own tension, right? To use that word, we all have tension. You think you're not a sinner? You're wrong. The Bible even says that too in the same area, right? First John, you say you're not a sinner, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. Um, living in the truth realizing that love floods into the heart when you when you see that you know what I'm not rejected I'm not I'm not spat upon when when you can find a safe place to talk about that thing in the closet and to bring that to the surface and like my uh, my friend Chuck is going to be talking about on the next episode um, realizing that you're not made fun of that you're not cut on, that, uh, you know, other people can go, yeah, man, we love you. We do. We love you anyway. You're here with us. Not just anyway, but we love you. Um, me too, even, right? Some of those, wow, you, you struggle with that? Me too? Um, we get into some of that on that podcast. I'm not trying to plug that podcast or just, you know, I, but I want you guys to, that's my challenge for you this week is to start to formulate a plan. Dare I say the word plan? I don't know. Just realize that tension, that pressure inside you to bust out of the closet, whatever that secret thing is in the closet, because you can live in the light and live in the truth 
And yes, you are a sinner. It's okay. So am I. All right. A lot of us are. We're not just, you know, how do the Calvinists put it? You know, we're, we're not just deplorable, right? Um, what's the word? I can't remember the word right now. It's escaping me. That's probably a good thing. Uh, Imago Dei. We are created in the image of God. I had some people in my car, same-sex couples. I got to talk to them. You know, when they shared their story, I felt for them. Um, they are created in the image of God. And I, I got to hear their struggles. I got to hear, the, hear their hurts and their, their fears, especially when it came to... I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I consider myself more of a Christian mystic at this point in my life. Kind of a spiritual anarchist a little bit. But I think that there's a lot of that in the story of Jesus. Um, God coming to earth as a man, putting on flesh. And uh, there's something very punk rock about that that I, I totally... Uh, track with and relate to and, and my heart is filled up by because Jesus w was killed by the religious people too and not just scrutinized but nailed to a cross alright he said things like don't call another man in this world authority you know uh, he, he talked about the, the religious rules of men and how that's not you know God Okay, God is love. That's what I want you to understand. And you are loved despite that thing that may sit in your closet. Whatever it is. Come out. Alright? Love you guys. Indivisible. Connecting tissue. Alright? That's what this is. This is love. And it's connecting tissue. And it connects all of us. And if you listen to a lot of the modern neuroscientists now who want to throw out this word addiction, replace it with the word connection, there's something to that. Indivisible. Alright? Connected. Pride. Not the egocentric word that a lot of, you know, religious people want you to think it is. But pride in the sense that you can, God, God loves you, that you have love in you that could light a city if you let it. I want you to realize that. That, that love energy inside you, it is more powerful than you know. You are more loved than you can fathom and imagine. All right? I pray that you connect with this story. And, you know, I, I, me being a Christian, I, again, I'm going to fly that flag, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'll put a, a cross on it. I don't know. It's just the, the, the story of love putting on flesh and walking among us. Something very real about that. Love you guys. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, remember, be brave this week come on out and let that secret be and re let your free flag fly even your freak flag I don't know alright later bye